0: Jesus how can i tell you how beautiful you are to me oh jesus bright as the morning star jesus how can i tell you how beautiful You are to me Sweeter than springtime Purer than sunshine Ever our song will be Jesus, you're beautiful Mm -hmm. To me Oh, Jesus, you're beautiful. Well, Jesus, you're beautiful. Oh, Jesus, you're beautiful to me.
1: Uh, beautiful. That was a wonderful song of our wonderful Savior, sung by our wonderful prophet Shantae. Alright, Navigating Betrayals. Uh, we ask that you share this broadcast, share it far and wide. Uh, we're in our second installment of Navigating Betrayals, and basically last week was something else. We got into some introduction. Uh, last week was succumbing... Succeeding, not succumbing to betrayal, but the Lord really dropped in my spirit this week as a subtopic about navigating betrayals. Gold, blood, and power trips. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Betrayal literally it's (laughs) God have mercy. Let me get through this today. Gold, blood, and power. Those three things are some of the root. Common denominators that lead to betrayal. Okay, I'm not getting into fractions what's on the top, what's on the bottom, but anyway, the denominator uh, is what we have to deal with navigating betrayals. But real quick, let me just go through a couple of quick definitions. Betrayal is to lead astray, just real quickly in review. Uh, betrayal means to deliver to an enemy by treachery, violation of allegiance, and faith or confidence or treason. Okay, uh, betrayal Praise God is to fail or to desert, abandon in the time of need, especially in time of need, and to betrayal. Also, in this definition, is to reveal unintentionally or to disclose in violation of confidence. All right, God bless this word. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for this word today. Anyway. Navigate as we go through it. I just want to go through these quickly because I have a lot to share today. Uh, navigate the process of active. Uh, excuse me, the process or activity of accurately knowing one's position planning and following the route. Number one, know your position. That's number one. Number two, plan. Number three, Follow. Know where you are plan, and follow the plan. That's navigate. Bottom line. Okay? The opposite of navigate is to retreat, abandon, depart, or flee. Alright? So anyway, um, that was it. Those are the definitions. That's where we are. Now, just real quickly in review, last week, we talked about David in Psalms 55 and how David's spirit was somewhat broken because of betrayal. And this is what he said, verse 12 of Psalm 55. I'm reading from the Living Bible all day today, okay? All right. It was not an enemy who taunted me. Then I could have borne it. I could have hidden and escaped. God bless everyone coming in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 13, but it was you, a man like myself, my companion and my friend. What fellowship we had. What wonderful discussions as we walk together in the temple of the Lord in holy days. So David is agonizing that betrayal in his life occurred from kinship, closeness, and those who are close to him. Betrayal the enemy doesn't betray. Usually, enemies who are known enemies, you can deal with it. You know they don't like you. You know they can't stand you. You know, when I, when I see people in Confederate trucks uh, with their flags flying out the back of the truck with all these rifles hanging out, we know that they are adversarial to the life of freedom for African Americans. We know that. It's very clear. The real betrayal comes when you have people on the Supreme Court who work to dismantle civil rights who look like those who will be like David, (laughs) long story short. Now, one thing I have to tell you, and this is a quick review. Betrayal helps anchor strongholds where you would have success. They anchor strongholds of the adversary will normally be freedom and success, okay? Betrayal is not about you individually. People don't just betray someone individually because of the individual person. People betray because of your gift. People betray because of the vision you have. People betray because they feel like what they have is more important than what you're doing. So those are some things that God really clarified for me in dealing with betrayal. Kingdoms of nations, we're gonna get into that. Kingdoms, nations, I mean, the greatest powers that have been in human um, in human life have fallen prey and setback because they did not factor betrayal into their missions. You, like I said last week, and I'll say it again, if you are a leader, if you have a mission, if any, whether it be ministry, whether it be business, whether it be community service, whatever it is, even medical, understand it's not going to be if you're betrayed, it's going to be when. So you must factor in that betrayal is going to be a part of your leadership path, so you must prepare forward. You must have a mission plan for it. You must have a navigation plan for how to deal with setbacks that come from betrayal. Alright? Now, like I said, today, we're getting into it. Gold, blood, and power trips. Okay. Look, the bloodthirsty quest for power is like the ultimate time-tested root source of betrayal. People Want power because power in the hands of those who are corrupt is centered around gold and blood that some of the Lord gave me. Okay, the Bible talks it filthy liquor, lucre, however, you want to pronounce that. I never knew the proper pronunciation, forgive me for that, lucre. Filthy lucre means dirty profit. When you look at money laundering companies, they are centered around corruption because they are betrayals. They are offices of betrayal to help funnel filthy profit to harm people. All right, look at this. Filthy profit entices souls to harm people who trust them. It entices the soul to dismantle entire environments that are set for your well being. See? Yeah. Betrayal, a filthy looker, it entices the soul to harm people who trust them. In other words, betrayal does not come without trust. People will work to gain your trust, they will pledge allegiance to you and what you're doing in order to gather that trust. But their heart will be far from you. And the reason why is because they have ulterior motives, which in most all occasions, deal with gold, blood, or power. There's been seldom been anything outside of those three elements that cause people to betray those who trust them. Look at this. I'm going to give you a couple, a few case studies of betrayal. One betrayal, and, I, and these are some American, the, in modern history, okay, the biggest, like we have the military services, right? We have the, as we know, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines. Those are the protective arms of the United States to protect us from um, criminals, foreign and domestic okay enemies foreign and domestic now the navy they had their biggest betrayal in history the biggest betrayal of the navy in history came from <laughs> guess what a navy officer in history there's and this is well documented you can see you can read it you can study it john walker he was a chief Warrant officer and he was a, guess what, a communication specialist. He knew how to transmit communications for the Navy. He sold secrets of the Navy to the Soviet Union and provided Moscow access to weapons, and sensor data, naval tactics, terrorist threats, surface and submarine and airborne training, and their readiness. So in other words, he gave away the enemy, all of the secrets that dealt with the strategy for the Navy to be successful in a time of war. It is known as one of the greatest betrayals in naval history. The thing that the Lord gave me in this is that people who operate communications, people who serve under areas where information is transmitted, is one of the most delicate components of your mission. You have to understand that people who communicate what you do or what you're about, they have to be vetted, they have to be tested, they have to be evaluated and checked on a regular basis to ensure that they are in line with the mission. This guy here, he took Navy papers and walked directly into the Russian embassy. (laughs) He walked straight into the Russian embassy at the time of his betrayal. Russia and America were at super odds. And the Lord gave me this. When the enemy encamps near you through diplomacy, you must be on your highest level of alert. Enemies use betrayal through proximity to you and your vision. The closer the enemy is, the more able they are to entice those who are on your team to betray the team. Prophet Shante.
2: I was just going to say that this is why, in many cases, if there is a potential for war or if hostilities increase between nations, this is why you will see countries pulling their ambassadors out of a nation, Mm -hmm. um, calling their ambassadors back to their, to their homeland, or you will see that country, um, saying this person has to leave by a certain time or they're expelling ambassadors because the trust has been broken.
1: Right. Because the proximity betrayers, they want, you're going to watch people who always want to be close to you, who actually don't have your vision. Be alert to those who want to run in and be part of what you have. Profit.
0: And
2: one of the ways to be alert is to not let flattery cloud your decision-making.
1: Exactly.
2: Um, because a lot of times people can desire to be close to you, but when you start questioning or digging into why do you want to be close to me? What do you understand about my vision? What do you understand about my mission? And they can't answer basic questions, but they have lots of flattery for you, but they have no understanding of your vision. That is a red flag.
1: Flattery is a sure sign. Well, I would say this. Obsessive flattery is a sure sign someone is trying to betray you by getting your trust. People will feed into your ego to gain your confidence. That's why you must guard your heart with all due diligence for people who are trying to enter into your personal space, not physically, but emotionally and physically and spiritually. Because if they connect to your heart,
2: it's usually hard to remove people who connect to your heart.
1: <laughs> when they try, when they work to connect to your heart, and you let them into your heart, and they're a betrayer, oh, that's 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 like total bomb. Let's say a tummy bomb. Okay, look at this. January sixth of twenty twenty one occurred because of the domestic enemy's proximity to power. They formed a rally around the United. States of America's most highest office, the Capitol. And their proximity to power and their connection to be allegiant to someone who is a betrayer of the country allowed them access into the most sacred places of our country's demo diplomacy. Proximity to power that we have to understand you must you have to as a leader, you must make sure that you establish specific boundaries in your life and your spirit and your soul so the betrayers cannot get past the firewall we have it in digital space we need to have it in our spiritual space you need to have a firewall. Where the enemy can't get through that fire. Where the consuming fire of God surrounds you and protects you from foreign objects trying to come in and destroy. That's how cancer occurs. I'm a cancer survivor. Cancer is when a cell starts to mutate and it starts to attach to other cells and mutate those other cells. And it betrays the body causing cancer. Same thing with human life and leadership, okay? Look at this. Um, another example of betrayal, one of the most epic betrayals in human history is that of Marcus Brutus. He's a Roman. He was a Roman guy, okay? He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. If you study European history, you'll know him very well. He's very outstanding in his name. Marcus Brutus, or they call him Brutus. He was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. His father was murdered. Julius Caesar took him in. Marcus Brutus was a great speaker. He knew how to orate. But what did he do? He joined the senators, of Roman senators, and worked and led the effort to assassinate Julius Caesar. Caesar was his uncle.
2: Hence the famous line, E tu Brute? You too Brutus?
1: <laughs> e tu Brute, as she said. So we have to understand is that there are people who we would adopt into our lives who feel that they're entitled to come against you. And they will work through all the halls of your authorities and your levels of order in order to assassinate your vision. Those who you've adopted. That's why we have to be mindful. Jesus talked about call no man father. (laughs) Call no man. (laughs) (laughs) Because your father is in heaven. The press to try to adopt people as your own kin opens the pathway for betrayal to occur. One of the biggest aspects of church hurt from the aspect of leadership is when they have people who consider them, people as their sons or daughters in ministry and they turn against them. And because they had all this access to intelligence and resources of that leader that they're able to really bring almost near fatal blows to their ministry. Taking on, adopting sons and daughters without God's approval can lead to jealousy, envy, and strife. They gain access to your inner circle and they wreak havoc through entitlement. Oh, that's my son. He's like a son to me. He's like a son to me. She's like a daughter to me. She would never do something like that. Well, they're doing it. (laughs) Here's another example. I'll give you this. Benedict Arnold, that's another name. If you study American history, Benedict Arnold. He was an American general during the Revolutionary War. Okay? He made significant accomplishments. Great accomplishments for the American army as they were fighting Britain. He made so many accomplishments, but others claimed the success of what he did. This is very important. Because he wasn't acknowledged for the strategies and the successes that he brought to the American nation at the time, he got got discouraged because I did all this for the nation and they stole all the credibility of what I did. So because of that occurrence, he sold out the U.S. and became a general for the British and wreaked havoc upon America so uh, there's another example the first example with um, John Walker was someone with the communications and intelligence who brings that to the enemy the second example we gave you was about Marcus Brutus he was an adopted son of a leader and and revolted against his own family member which was his uncle Here, we have Benedict Arnold, who was a leader in the army, a general, one of the highest rankings in the U.S. military. And because people stripped him of his successes, he got disgruntled and said, if I'm going to do all this for America, and they decided just to rip this out of my, you know, out of my, out of history about what I did, then what's the use of even fighting for America? One of the biggest betrayals in American history, Benedict Arnold. Betrayal may not, this will what God gave me, betrayal may not be in the heart of good people, good men. I'm sure Benedict Arnold did not consider betrayal throughout his campaigns of success. But when you rob or devalue people of their successes, betrayal floods the heart. So as a leader you must be sure that when people make accomplishments one way to protect your leadership and your ministry is that when people make accomplishments for the ministry make sure to give credit to whom credit is due. Because when you don't it opens the heart up to revenge. People don't want to be faithful and have their faithfulness crapped upon. Don't overpromise, or underpraise, or ignore. Hallelujah! Look at this. When this this was the Lord gave me, like we said, with fifth liquor, When big money is involved. Or when significant resources are involved with something. Betrayal, Lord told me, dangles along like a leech to join the party. So when you have big success and major victories, whether it be financial, whether it be resources, or whether it be human uh, capital, okay, understand that when you have these large campaigns of success that you must... You must be mindful that betrayal is around the corner. Look at this. And this is what the Lord gave me specifically. He said, integrity often goes out the window when close access to abundance is involved. People will be with you when you're down and out. People will be with you when you're in the trenches. When you all are bleeding together in the battlefield. Oh, we're with you. But as soon as you get off the battlefield, as soon as you begin to, to regain power and resources and strength, all of a sudden, that's when you have to watch your back the most. My God. All right? Here's the scripture I want to read today. I want to read. I'm, I'm going to do like Prophet Shante, the teacher extraordinaire. Uh, she like to read whole Bible chapters. Today, we're going to read a whole Bible chapter.
2: And as you're getting into that and telling us where it is, I just want to say that money is a revealer Uh of hearts. We know the scripture says the love of money is the root of all evil, but money reveals where your heart has been rooted all along. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, indeed. (laughs) If your heart is pure, resources will expand that pureness. If your heart is evil, resources will expand that evil. Okay, very simple. But 2 Kings chapter 5, whole chapter, I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. This is the story of Gehazi, all right, who was the servant, the chief servant to prophet Elisha, all right? Here it is, first Kings, no, second excuse me, second Kings, second Kings, I'm sorry, Second Kings chapter five, verses one through twenty-six. All right, here it is. The king of Syria had high admiration for Naaman, the commander in chief of his army, for he had led his troops to many glorious victories, so he was a great hero, but he was a leper. Bands of Syrians had invaded the land of Israel. And among and among their captives was a little girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. All right. Verse 3. One day the little girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. Look at this. This girl's enslaved in bondage. But yet she's still trying to be courteous to the general who took her captive. All right. all right. Naaman told the king what the little girl had said. Verse 5. Go visit the prophet, the king told him. I will send a letter of introduction for you to carry out to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out taking gifts of, look at this, 20,000 in silver, 60,000 in gold, <laughs> and 10 suits of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, the man bringing this letter is my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of this leprosy. Look at that diplomacy. Israel and Syria were at odds with each other, but yet the general leader of of Syria had a physical affliction where his king decided to write a letter to the king of Israel for diplomatic purposes to help heal his men. Interesting stuff. When the king of Israel read it, he tore his clothes and said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can kill and give life? He is only trying to get an excuse to invade us again. Look at that. I like that king of Israel. Understanding stuff. But when Elisha the prophet heard the king of Israel's plight, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn there is a true prophet of God here in Israel. So Naaman, and this, I mean, Israel, Elisha, that's some serious warfare strategy right there. In verse 8, the prophet came in interjected with the king of Israel to help bring support to heal Israel's enemies general. All right. So Naaman arrived with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's home. Elisha sent a messenger out to tell him, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times and he will be healed of every trace of his leprosy. But Naaman was angry and stalked away. All right. Look, he said, I thought at least he would come out and talk to me. I expect him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call upon the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Look at this. The general is upset (laughs) with the prophet's instructions. Go ahead, prophet.
2: Two things I want to point out here. Let's back up to the fact that Naaman already knows and understands that when you approach a prophet... You bring a gift. It's not a gift of coercion. It's a gift of understanding the prophet's position in the earth. So no one had to tell him to get in a money line. (laughs) He brought a gift to begin with. The second thing we look at here is Naaman wants a show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a prophetic show.
2: He wants a performance done. Right. And Elisha is not here to perform for Naaman. Right. He's here to provide a solution. And that's a very big deal.
1: Prophets are not to be directed on how to prophesy. <laughs> I had experience like that many years ago. People try to direct me on how to prophesy. And I would not succumb to that external pressure on how the Lord is to use what I have. Got everybody upset. That's a story for another time. All right. Verse 12. Aren't the Albert River and the far, far river of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel put together? If it's rivers I need, I'll wash at home and get rid of me, my leprosy. So he went away in a rage. (laughs) Verse 13. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, If the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? You should certainly obey him when he says simply to go wash and be cured. That's when you have people who will give you truth in the midst of your rage. Prophet.
2: And the key here is obedience. If the prophet had told you to do something outlandish, he had. if he had told you to make an entertainment, it's the human nature to think that something has to be more difficult or more complex than it actually is. So his simple instruction actually offends Naaman because it is our human nature mm-hmm. to... Uh, to want the Disneyland version (laughs) of the gospel. Uh, It's the magic kingdom gospel that that Naaman wanted in the moment, but it was a simple instruction of obedience that he failed to adhere to.
1: Right. Prophets understand everything is not spooky. Dear prophet, everything is not a spectacle. Dear prophet, you do not always even have to be in front of the person who's, who needs a prophetic message is not about you it's about what god says verse 14 so naaman went down to jordan river and dipped himself seven times that the prophet told him to do so and his flesh became as healthy as a little child's, and he was healed look at this then he and his entire party went back to find the prophet they stood humbly before him and said, I know at last there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept my gifts. Now this is one of the greatest strategies of warfare that you can ever accomplish, is to take the general who was, who was sick of the adversary, take the general of your adversary and treat him and heal him of his disease. You know what that did? You know what Elisha did? He proved to the enemy's general that God is real. Mm-hmm. And you created an ally out of the adversary because you read coals of fire upon the head of your enemy when you heal people of their long standing problems. Oh, that was powerful. I mean, there's so much in this, I can go more and more, but we have to finish this reading. All right. But Elisha replied, I swear by Jehovah my God that I will not accept them. Naaman urged him to take them, but he absolutely refused. Elisha refused 60,000 in gold, 20,000 in silver, and 10 royal uniforms. You go, to any, you go to any church today and someone comes with you with a $60,000 gift plus a $20,000 gift plus 10 outfits that are finely tuned, finely tailored. Many preachers say, oh, thank you so much. But the prophet said, no, I will not. I will not take this. I will not take this. You know why he wanted to take it? Because he didn't want to feel as if the enemy could buy his allegiance. So he remained neutral. You cannot, when you accept gifts from your enemy, you receive open arms for your energy to betray you because they use those gifts as tools to say, well, didn't we give you this? And they feel that you need to obey them because you accepted their gifts. It wasn't wrong for Elisha to give the gifts, but God said don't accept this. Your healing for him were to show him who I am, who God is, that God can heal, and he's blessed. But it's don't take the gifts and become, let it be an attachment, a tether to their ministry. Go ahead.
2: And not only that, which we'll see a little bit later in this reading, but again, it is wartime. Right. Gifts from your enemy in wartime equals bribery.
1: Exactly.
2: I'm going to say that again. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody need to hear that. Gifts from your enemy in wartime equals bribery. Right. How many leaders, even in, in our modern times, have been brought down because something was given to them and it was interpreted as a bribery and it disqualified them from being elected?
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Good, good points.
2: So the wrong thing in the wrong time, I mean, the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. Uh, I'm going to say that again. (laughs) The right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing.
1: And look here, understand this. Like there's some states in America that are reversing civil rights. Like trying to express the history of people who have who have who have blood shed blood for freedom for various ethnicities. You have states now who are banning teaching history based on freedom of certain individuals. Now, if members of the state of these particular states, which I will not name, come around and want to give you gifts. If you're an abolitionist and you're here to bring freedom to all people and people who are abolishing freedom, I mean, people who are, who are, yes, right. I said it right. People who are trying to get rid of freedoms come and give you a gift. You need not accept that. Understand that different freedom fighters. Okay. Now, verse 17. Well, Naaman said, all right. Okay. But please give me two mule loads of earth to take back with me. For now and I will never again offer any burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. You see what this did? By him not taking the money. He made the king, the general of the adversary of Israel, a worshiper of God, the true and living God. That verse 17, plug that in, study that in your own time, Okay. My God, verse 18, however, the Lord may pardon me on this one thing. When my master, the king goes into the temple of the god Rimon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to. Look at this. There is so much elements of worship when you convert somebody through your prophetic work that will allow respect, that will allow honor. Naaman had to serve his king, so he had to be in there to serve his king but his heart was with the Lord God because you saw what the Lord God did to him directly. All right? Verse 19. All right, Elisha said. So Naaman started home. Verse 20. Here we go with the juicy part. But Gehazi, Elisha's servant, said to himself. He didn't say it to Elisha. He didn't say it to anybody. He said it to himself. His own heart. Who knows if Gehazi... Anyway. He said to himself, my master shouldn't have let this fellow get away without taking his gifts. I will chase after him and get something from him. Look at that. So Gehazi caught up with him and said, when Naaman saw him coming, he jumped down off his chair to ran to meet him. Because the, the, the general was so excited about Elisha and Elisha's court. That he was honored to see Elisha's servant come feeling like the servant was a part of Elisha's uh, (laughs) instructions, prophet.
2: Which goes back to why it's so important who you choose as a part of your team. because Because of his alignment and service to Elisha, Naaman automatically thought that the same integrity that that resided in Elisha Mm -hmm. also resided in his servant. (laughs) He thought, surely if Elisha is this integrous, Mm -hmm. everyone around him should be carrying the same level of integrity. But he was not. Go ahead.
1: Verse 21, so Gehazi Gehazi cut off with him. When Naaman saw him coming, he jumped off his chariot and ran to meet him. Is everything all right, he asked? 22, Gehazi says, yes, he said. But my master, look at this, here comes the big lie. But my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets from the hills of Ephraim just arrived, and he would like 2,000 in silver and two suits to give to them. Look at this here. Verse 23, so here comes Naaman. Take 4,000. Naaman insisted. He gave him two expensive robes, tied up the money in two bags, and gave them two to his servant to carry back to, with Gehazi. Look at this mess. It's very, You gotta be very careful and how your ministry responds to people who have been delivered from their vices. Their heart of gratefulness, their human spirit of of compassion and thanks can be fertile ground for betrayal, as we see with Gehazi. Gehazi saw that the person who received ministry from the Lord, that his heart was open for giving. But Gehazi began to bring An untruth in that moment of thankfulness, which made this person believe that this was an act of honor. So he gave Gehazi double. He came with 60,000 in gold, 20,000 in silver, and 10 suits. The prophet didn't want it, so to give up 2,000 and just a couple suits, oh, that's easy, That's, that's pennies. Here, take a double what you asked for. But here comes the real kicker. But when they arrived at the hill where Elisha lived, Gehazi took the bags from his servants and sent the men back and hid the money in his bank account, in his house. He lied to the person who was just healed miraculously by God. Then he came back and did a triple lie and didn't even do what he told the servant I mean tell the person who he just encountered
2: hid the money in his own house. He lied. He deceived. He hustled. And then he hid it. He hustled it. He hustled it. That's what you call. That's
1: what you call hustling. Remember, we said gold, blood, and power trips. Gehazi was empowered through proximity to power with Elisha to go after gold. There may not be, have been physical bloodshed, but he pulled names of people. Who he said he's gonna do something with, and he didn't use them. He did he just used them as bait.
2: He name dropped.
1: He people will name drop in order to get something from people illegally. hmm So be careful how other people are using your name. Because they're using your name for filthy liqueur because then your name was integrous. The smaller your circle, the cleaner your name is. my god first 25 when he went to his master elisha and asked him where have you been <laughs> oh my god here it goes I haven't been anywhere that's number three that's a third lie three lies look how this servant of the prophet could lie so abundantly And this is another aspect about betrayal. That just because someone is next to someone in leadership doesn't mean they have the integrity of the leadership. Gehazi was connected to the most profound prophet in history. He did double the miracles Elisha did. Connected to him. That power trip. That power trip caused him to seek out the gold and resources illegally. And he used three lies. He lied to Naaman twice, and he lied back to his master. So there's people who will go back and lie directly to the person who is their spiritual leader.
2: Right in their face. Right
1: in their face. Like it's, like they like, oh,
2: I didn't, I was anywhere. No blinking. <laughs>
1: oh, I didn't, I didn't do
2: nothing.
1: No, I didn't attack Shantae. No, I didn't slander Robert. I didn't do none of that. I was I couldn't even I couldn't have done that. I was right here. <laughs> but here is where betrayal busting ministry occurs. Elisha said to him, Don't you realize I was there and thought when Naaman stepped down off his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to receive money and clothing and all the farms and vineyards and sheep and oxes and servants? Because you have done this. Naaman's leprosy shall be upon you and upon your children and your children's children Forever. So instead of Gehazi witnessing the great miracle of God and the integrity of his master, of his leader, Elisha, he inherited his entire descendancy, inherited his problem, the problem that the soldier was healed of. And Gehazi walked from the room a leper and his skin was white as snow. So this was an instant response. Lepers at that time could not function in normal activities of life. So when he became leprous, he couldn't serve. And now his entire generational line was pronounced with a handicap. A disability, which prevented them from serving for generations. Prophet.
2: Go back to the beginning of don't you realize. Didn't you realize.
0: All
1: right, verse 26. Don't you realize I was there and thought when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you.
2: Pause. Don't you realize That when you are connected to a leader, as they have been given charge over your spiritual life, Mm -hmm. that God shows them things about your spiritual life. Now, it's not them walking around saying, you know, what is this person doing 24-7? But if there's something that God is directing your leader to share with you, to counsel you about, to teach you, um, to give you insight into, then yes, God is going to show that leader things about your heart because you've been entrusted to that leader. This is where intercession comes in. And when you're when you are intertwined with a leader who says You know, God has entrusted you to me and you've seen the the results of that relationship. And you know that, yes, God has entrusted this person to watch for me and my care. They not only get revealed the good things about you. God has entrusted them to know your good and your bad and your weak spots. This is why Elisha asked him before he told him, where did you go?
1: It was a chance to come correct.
2: It was a chance to come clean. Where did you go? And he still chose to not come clean. Hmm. So when we, when we talk about generational curses, a lot of people throw that term around, but this is an example of an actual generational curse that came from a a uh, level of betrayal and a level of deceit. And when you see something like this flowing through a bloodline of people, you got to say, God, go back to the root. Go back to the op, as we like to say on social media. Go back to the original poster or go back to the original offender and heal this thing from the root. Repentance from the root Of a thing. But as we see, you know, this is Old Testament. This is before grace. So there is a forever eternal pronouncement that happens upon Gehazi for his actions.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So this is one thing the Lord began to deal with me about this. And we can't get it all today because we're going to be on this again next week on the 21st. But committing acts of betrayal eat up the soul of the betrayer. Betrayers' souls become rotted because paranoia becomes their portion. When you betray and your spirit of you have a spirit of betrayal, what happens is that you're always looking behind your back about how to make sure you can stay uncovered, not to be exposed, and then you have to continual. To manifest lies, which opens your heart to the master of lies. And when the master of lies gets a hold to your heart, he will continue to flood you with the ability to lie. Lie without without pause. Look at this. Betrayers, in most cases, their lives are upended once they become suspect. Because, look, they're trying to cover their tracks. Their soul is not at peace. They cannot sleep well. They cannot eat well. They become an addict of the spirit of betrayal. You know, we talk about people fiending for drugs. They have to get this other fix. They got to get another fix. They got to get another fix. Well, when you have the spirit of betrayal, you always have to get another fix of something to protect you, to keep that spirit of betrayal alive. Well,
2: and that you, would kill yourself. Or you've got to get another cover.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because, you know, as, as our many of our families, especially our elders, have, have told us or talked to us about, you know, you use another lie to cover another lie, mm-hmm. to cover another lie. So it's a cover after cover after cover to the fact that, you know, even in the text here, he feels pretty comfortable with lying to Elisha (laughs) about what he's already, about what he's done.
1: (sighs) Look at this. The human, I'm going to close on this one. The human heart is not designed to betray one another. It is forced as a slave through the chains of betrayal in the quest for gold blood, or power. So on that, I'm going to turn it over to Prophet Shantam. Let her come and show her face to you and pray us out of this one. Now, pray you got some good nuggets out of this on how to govern your lives as a leader.